What's up, everybody? It is Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show, Aftershocks TV, and Heavy Metal Television. And I am now on Cameo. That's right. If you need a message sent to somebody, maybe it's happy birthday. Maybe it's get out of here. Hit the street. You're fired. I don't care what it is. Firing a girlfriend, firing a boyfriend, firing an employee, wishing them well. Whatever it is, I'm on Cameo. I'm here to deliver the message. I'll do it in my unique way so you can imagine it'll have some profanity in it and it'll be a little bit filthy but that's okay because that's probably what you guys want from me anyway so check me out cameo.com slash chris aiken again cameo.com slash chris aiken book me and i will deliver whatever message it is that you need delivered and it's cheap so go do it all right later It is Chris Aiken presents, and it is me, Chris Aiken, and joining me today is uh, the guy that's keeping metal alive. I'm going to say in 2022, um, new stuff coming from the not necessarily new new stuff, but new enough stuff from Night Demon. Unless you're a really hardcore that bought all this stuff as a collector, uh, the new the new release is called Year of the Demon. It is a collection of the the great material that um, Jarvis and company have been putting out through the through the pandemic. And here to talk about it is the one and only leader of Night Demon himself, Mister Jarvis Leatherby. Jarvis, how are you, man? Hey, great to see you, Chris. Yeah, hey, man, doing good, doing good. Well, well, dude, it, it's I, I was just talking to somebody yesterday um, about your band and was talking about how of all of the bands. The younger bands, not the established guys that have, you know, Rolling Stones money, but the younger bands that are still grinding it out. Night Demon might be the very tip top of those bands as far as how to survive this crazy, wild pandemic. You you guys have somehow survived it. and You've kept your fan base engaged, you know, where a lot of people every... And, and you know this, everybody and their brother tried at the beginning of the pandemic with the the live streams and the, the edited together streams or whatever. And that burned out in like two months. But you guys just kept the fans engaged with these seven inch releases and limited edition releases and whatnot. So talk a little bit about your movements as a band, man, as we've walked through such a crazy kind of unprecedented time. Yeah, so um, I think you know, uh, starting off with the with the releasing singles. I mean, that was the plan that we had going back to late 2018. Okay. So that was something that we had planned. Um, you know, Night Demon's been a band that's that's always had our own plan, and um, you know, it's it's kind of a double edged sword. There's sometimes you know, um, especially in the states, like you know, Europe Europe does does a lot of planning in advance. Uh, Europeans are generally more responsible. <laughs> but <laughs> but in the States, you know, things come up all the time. We get offered tours or cool shows and uh, like with short notice. And, you know, we, we, we've learned that like being, being, a, being a younger band, um, you really have to make your own plans or else you're just sitting around a lot is, is, is right. what happens. You're kind of, a lot of young bands are sitting around kind of waiting for something to happen. And that's, that's something that we never wanted to do. So... Um, you know, so, so going back to the singles, we had a plan that starting in uh, April of 2020, we were going to release 
some seven singles and we were going to, um, you know, put them out every five weeks with no promotion, no pre-order, nothing like that. Just basically kind of cater to cater to the modern demands of society, you know, where you can uh, basically hit a button and instantly get what you want on the internet. Right. Um, you know, vinyl turnaround times are like about six to nine months. And so we just kind of wanted to do something like that. And, and basically like, Hey, here's a video for the song. Here's a behind the scenes video. Here's the track digitally. You can have the seven inch now. So it's kind of like what's it's old school meets new school. So that was our plan. And we, we were basically, we had a whole year of touring booked where you know, when we were on the road, every five weeks when a new single came out, you know, that would kind of be incorporated into the live set. Sure. So when the pandemic hit, you know, we still had we still had all of the uh, capacities that these pressing plants blocked. So we still had the release schedule. And so we just rolled along with that. And basically that that ran from April to August of 2020. And um, in July of 2020, we launched a weekly podcast. Right. which has been going now for 76 consecutive weeks. So I think the the key is consistency. That's all it is. And the, and it's, it's really committing to what you say you're going to do. I think that a lot of bands, they have great ideas and they like to tell people about it. See, now, now that we have social media and, and, right. and uh, email lists and stuff, you can kind of tell people whatever you want. But delivering is another story. So, you know, I, I say we're a very ambitious band as well. And there's there's a, t- I mean, you know, about half the things that we plan on doing, we execute. The thing is, we just don't tell people about it until we're actually doing it. So, um, so we're no different in in in, in that way of of, of optimism and, and trying things out and failing. But I like to think that we kind of fail forward. We fail upwards, you know. And uh, uh, um, I think that. Uh, you know, especially with the podcast, we it's something that when we sat down as a band and when we assembled our, our team of uh, producers and stuff for the show, we were kind of like, look, if, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this and we're going to do it indefinitely. It's not something, you know, most podcasts don't make it past 10 episodes. And sure. I, under, I understand why, you know, like it, it, it's a lot of work, um, but you can't, it's... It, the, the, again, the the key the key to the success is the consistency and and the longevity of it and and building the content so that it it lives there and people that come on later can can really go back and it's just like building a back catalog of music you know people sure. can go back and and appreciate that so that's one thing that's kept us uh, really consistent through this pandemic without being able to tour. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring up the podcast because I'll be I'll be perfectly honest with you. When you said you were doing the podcast and I I heard what it was going to be, the history of Night Demon, my first reaction being straight up was, dude, is there really that much history with Night Demon? You know, because you guys are not an old, old band, you know, and and I'll be honest, I'm being as honest as I can be. I went into it extremely less than optimistic i figured it was going to be like every other band that you were going to do one or two or three and then move on to the next deal it is one of the cooler podcasts out there to really learn not necessarily only about night demon but about how the the struggles and the moves and the maneuvers that you have to do to be a successful band without bat catalog man it, it's it really is interesting yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I like to tell people that, 
even if you're not a fan of the band or you don't know anything about the band, it's a good it's a good story it is. of of what it of what it takes to be in a real band full time these days, you know. So, uh, but yeah, look, I thought the same as you and and the guy, the host of the show, uh, Nesbitt, who approached us about doing it. He, I told him the same thing. I said, "Man, every week, are you sure?" And he's <laughs> like, "Look, man, I've got tons of episode ideas." And once we started to get into it. It's like, man, there there's a lot to unpack there, and and we we have we have more than than we can uh, account for at the moment. I mean, we've got we've got a we've got a schedule for the next two years. So, and then things are popping up. Like we've done a couple shows recently. Our first shows back where we did some one offs in L.A. and in North Carolina, and you right. know we're able we're we're taping all the shows now. We're multi tracking the shows, and we're talking to the fans of the shows. So. It's an interactive thing, and and now it's like when the band goes out and does stuff, it's kind of like you're along for the ride as it's happening. So it's it's morphed into something really great, you know. But again, it's a it's a it's the commitment that we made to it that makes it what it is. Sure, you you know, dude. In a weird way, it very much sounds and resembles what another guy that's had a little bit of success in the business has done over the years, Lars Ulrich. <laughs> I mean, he's kept track of every playlist yeah. and every show that he's yeah. ever played. And boy, has it come to pay him off nicely now, you know, 40 years down the road. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, it's no secret that those that, you know, they're one of the big four influences of Night Demon, you know, and, and uh, it's like that's I remember being a kid and like, you know, watching Metallica was got, you know, that was my first concert. And like, I, uh, <laughs> I uh, just remember like knowing that's what I wanted to do, and it was the same the same kind of kind of thing. But actually, I will say that their the Metallica podcast came out one year after ours, and I guarantee you somebody on their team was listening to our show. There, I guarantee you, there's there's so much there's so much resemblance there. It's 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 flattering to be honest, you know. So uh, um, it's cool. I like that we got in. We got in a little bit, uh, I guess, late to the podcast game, but early in on the game as far as it goes with with bands doing it. And uh, yeah. like I said, you know, it's it's been a it's been a consistent thing in our life, and it's really kept us on our game because with me being in, living in Ireland half the time now, and Dusty in Pennsylvania, and Armand in California, there's a good, you know, most bands probably would have broken up by now, you know. So <laughs> this this thing keeps us on our toes, and it keeps us together, and it keeps us talking about the band every week. You know, sure, absolutely. Just what well, real quick, I'm gonna step away from Night Demon for a second and stay mm -hmm. with Metallica because you were at the 40th anniversary shows. Talk a little for bit sure. about that, man. That's that's cool yeah, thing. yeah, it was really cool. I mean, I uh, you know, 10 years earlier, the 30th anniversary shows, you know, I missed I missed out on that on those shows, and at the time, their fan club was like a paid fan, I was a paid member of the fan club for 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 over a decade and okay. uh you know they did those shows really intimately at, at the Fillmore at some right. small venues and they had a ton of special guests with this one i was kind of hoping they would have somebody out there but they didn't do that but you can't really top what they did before but uh uh you know it was i think that, you know to be honest my favorite part about being at those shows was just seeing a lot of night demon fans and interacting with them and a lot of old school friends and a lot of the a lot of the friends that are close to the Metallica camp that kind of like came up with them have become supporters of ours. And so it was, I think my favorite part was the environment, you know, sure. I think that, I think the band played great and they, they sounded great. Um, you know, I, I, 
but I did, I did feel like I was being part of it. It was definitely a televised show, you know, like there was sure. a lot of, there was a lot of safety there with the set list and with uh, maybe the stage banter and stuff. And uh, you know, uh, that's no discredit to them, but I just, you know, uh, it's changed a lot for me. You know, I used to be, I used to, I used to show up to the, to the, I've seen Metallica almost 40 times. And I, I used to be the kid in the, yeah, I'd show up eight hours early and um, Party I, would on. Just be, I would just be in the front row the whole time right? just waiting and waiting. And then it was just a different experience for me now, but, but look, I, I'm really happy that I got to, that I got to go and be a part, uh, you know, soak up the vibe of the whole thing. And, and that's, that's kind of, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of where I'm at these days with, with things like that, you know? Sure. Dude, it, it's funny because, you know, I, I, I too have seen Metallica over 40 times and um, literally moved from California back here to Ohio around three dates. I sent my wife and kid three, three weeks early and I stayed just so that I could catch them in San Francisco, Sacramento and Reno and That's make, awesome. you know, make the little, the little trek back. And, you know, I was one of the, one of the lucky 40,000 that has turned into 4 million, but sure. I, I was at Day on the Green, which is the one that even the band celebrates as their the, uh, the, moment. So the the uh, one in eighty five or 90? 91. Okay, 91. ninety one. Yeah, ninety one. Okay, right. Yeah, That's was, awesome. Yeah, that was the the one where uh, I guess their dressing room was covered in plastic because uh, they they played <laughs> some other event for Bill Graham where they trashed the dressing room. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty cool, man. That's 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 epic. You know, I mean, I've, I I. And like so, that's around the time that I discovered the band, right? Yeah. I, my first show was '88 Monsters of Rock, LA Coliseum. Okay. My dad, my dad was in a band with uh, Michael Anthony from Van Halen when they were kids. So like oh, that, wow. Van Halen was kind of part of my childhood growing up. And so sure. here comes Metallica attached to this tour, right? And that I mm -hmm. saw them, and it was just like, wow, you know, that's what I want to do. But the '91 Day on the Green, I mean, there's a lot of video footage that. That's when I started playing music when i was around that age sure. and uh yeah that's that's cool man so even me not being there i mean the legendary status of that show i mean like has has even stuck with me and inspired me to do what i'm what i do now you know so. sure well well dude how how did you is it just just you know from your dad or how did you become such an old school metalhead and not get sucked into that whole world into the mid 90s into that whole corn or yeah vibe i mean you guys really shun that or not shun it but you don't yeah you don't do i mean either. i think that like i you know rock and roll always even even today like that kids don't listen to rock the ones that do there there's a certain rebellion in it you know and like i was always kind of a rebellious kid and sure. um when i was in high school in the 90s everybody was listening to rap and um and honestly, the rap wasn't compared to today. It wasn't bad, you know. Sure. Like, like it was. There was some talent in it, and there was some like cool hooks and stuff. And I understood it, and I understood where where the 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 attitude and the voice of rap was coming from. Absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, I respected it. Um, but I was just into rock, and at the time, alternative rock was was pretty big. I didn't really care for a lot of the grunge stuff besides Al I loved Alice in Chains and I and I and I did like some Soundgarden. 
Uh, sure. I just like the more musicianship. And, you know, along with those grudge bands, Metallica was equally as popular, if not more than any of those bands. So they sure. same with Guns N' Roses. So they were a great gateway uh, into that for me. And that's the path that I chose. And being a kind of rebellious soul that I was, it, I felt even in the 90s that I was born a decade too late. So like right. even even then, even then, I, I felt alienated. And I remember seeing... I, I saw Metallica, I, I think twenty two times in the in the like load reload era. Okay, and I saw I remember seeing Ozzy a lot in that time too. And sure. so I would see Ozzy, and the opening acts were like Corn and the Deftones. I would see Metallica. Sure. I would see Metallica and Corn was the opening act. I went to the very first Ozfest, um, and it was like a lot of that stuff and. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. I mean, I, I was never into to those bands, but I did at the time, even though, you know, I was maybe 15, 16 years old. I still, when I saw those bands live, I still knew, I like, I thought to myself, like, this is like the future. This is like the future of metal. It's going to, this is what it's, this is going to catch on. And sure enough, it, it did, especially in the, the MTV, like TRL days and stuff. Um, but it was it still wasn't something I identified with. But I, I noticed that my old school heroes were kind of embracing the new and taking them out. Um, I still see that to this day. I just wish mm -hmm. that the older bands like the Priests and the Maidens and Metallicas and they would realize that there's a there's a newer crop of bands that are doing something better and that mm -hmm. modern that modern metal is actually what's outdated, you know, now. Um um, Priest is actually doing a pretty good job. They've taken out Saxon, Uriah Heap, Black Star Riders, uh, Sabaton, who I don't really care for, but I think they've earned that spot. You know, like sure. I, I think I think that they've done a better job recently of of taking out bands that their fans would appreciate. You know, um, but with the other bands, I mean, basically, it's uh, it's they're bringing back the tailgate party by having these opening bands. You know, you know, yeah. come out. It's not doing anything for. The support bands either you know so right. uh, they're the fans are very vocal that they they could give a shit about about that stuff you know so uh you know like i'm not here to throw salt in anyone else's game sure. and obviously you know i'm a bit envious that those bands have are, are doing that stuff and we're not on those big tours but um you know i have a right to my opinion and i don't think sure. that that i think that you know metal has so many subgenres and you know, people like what they like, and that's fine. But it's just, I, I, I think that the fans can be served better with with something that give give them some hope for the future. You know mm -hmm. that that there's there are bands out there that are carrying those traditions on. Sure. Well, and, and you know, man, I, I mean, I'm I'm 53, so I, I, my concert time was early 80s to you know now, obviously, but, but. In those early days, every band that I became a fan of, well, not every, but 90% of the bands that I became a fan of was because I saw them opening for somebody that I was, somebody else that I was there to see, you know, whether it was hair bands, you know, I'd go see a Motley Crue show and I would get damn Yankees or something like that. And I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know, or, you know, it, that's just how it was. And that stopped in the 2000s. It yeah. really just stopped. I can point to the tour Metallica when they took out that, that elephant cage, the elephant. And it was right. like, it was like, dude, cage, the elephant, come on. And, and I, you know, it, it, it's frustrating 
on a lot of level as a music fan because the ticket prices, you know, the ticket price one hundred fifty dollars yeah. for a Judas Priest or a Metallica or whatever. More than that, man. They're going. Yeah. They're way more than that now. So. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Well, yeah. last time I saw Metallica was the the Hardwired tour, the, mm-hmm. the, the tour that they did, and um, and they had a comedian or something. Oh, well, this. Yeah, well, they had a DJ this time, yeah. you know, and I the crowd was like booing that. But yeah. look, I mean, look, Metallica, uh, they they take risks. They 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 like to do things differently than anybody. I'm all about trying things, you know. I mean, Night Team is a very uh-huh. experimental band in our approach too, but we all we do like to think about what our fans would like, sure. even when we do take risks. And I think maybe. Maybe some of these bands just want to distance themselves as from heavy metal, you know, in a way yeah. like they, they may not classify themselves as that anymore. Or, uh, you know, uh, we definitely do No, we are sure. a heavy metal band. So like we, we know our audience and we, we always want to serve them while still sure. trying to get them to venture out into new, into new, new territory. Uh-huh. We want to keep those traditions alive. So look, I mean, I could talk, I could sit here all day and, and talk about what I wish my favorite bands would do, but that's why sure. I have my own band, you know? Right. Exactly. So well, and, and since, and, you know, piggybacking off what you said about, you know, respecting the, the old bands and whatever, my favorite track on year, the demon is the, is in trance. You know, I, I, I love that. I love the respect that you gave Uli. I love the, I love the fact that you pretty much kind of adjusted your vocal sound to fit the track. You know, it's such a cool moment. And, and if, if people don't know Night Demon and they want something a little bit familiar to kind of ease them in, I would suggest that is the track. No. Yeah, I, I, I would think so. Uh, Obviously, if you like '70s era '70s era Scorpions, you know Uli John Roth is playing live with us on that track. Right. And uh, when the record comes out, March 25th, we'll also have the that limited B side on there, which is uh, we also do the song "Top of the Bill" with him right. at that same concert. So uh, I mean, man, that's just one of those dream come true moments, and I'm glad we could capture that. And it's kind of crazy because. It's like he's represented on our record. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, you know, saying it's not, uh, I don't, it's a trip, man. I, I'm glad that we were able to capture that. Sure. Now, how, how did that happen? Did, had you met Uli at a festival or something? Yeah. Yeah. We played, he played right after us in Germany at the Rock Hard Festival. There's like a tent, about 10,000 people there. And, and I, I had known his agent. He was a friend of mine. And, and I had, I had said, Hey, you know, we've been doing this live version of Entrance. Do you think Uli would come and play with us? And Uli was like, hell no. It's like, I'm not going to go out before my set and play my hit with you, you know? <laughs> and, and we're like, okay, so fair enough. Later that night, we were hanging out at the hotel bar, and it was like Uli and us and Saxon and Armored Saint, and we're just in this hotel bar together. And I'm like, wow, this is a this is a pretty awesome moment, you know? Um <laughs> And so I, we kind of talked to him again and he kind of blew us off. And then the next morning he was going to his car and he came, well, we got in the elevator together. We were both checking out of the hotel and he had like his roadie had left and he had like 13 guitars he had to take. And so we kind of helped him out and kind of talked to him again. He blew us off again. And then about a year later, I talked to his agent again and I said, look, we're headlining uh, the hell over Hammerberg festival. It's sold out. It's our first big festival headliner in Europe. 
and um, we want to do something special for this. And, you know, we'd like to fly out Uli and have him come play the encore with us, but we don't want anybody to know about it. And he thought, he thought it was a great idea. Cool. He thought it'd be really good for our fans. And he thought it would be good for Uli's or for Uli's profile to have these younger metalheads be like, Hey, yeah, this guy is still true to the scene. And, and, uh, but Uli was resistant again. And he, um, it took like, it took, it took a lot of time to talk him into it. And, um, he finally did. And he, he didn't, you know, we, we set it up in Hamburg where we were going to have a rehearsal and we, we rented this rehearsal space and then he didn't want to rehearse. And he showed up right before the gig, right before our gig. And we met backstage and kind of tried to go over stuff. It was pretty chaotic, but it turned out to be amazing. And uh, actually episode uh, two of our podcast, we, we do a full 90 minute whole expose on on what happened that night and it's i sure. recommend people go check that out um but yeah it's just it's persistence you know i mean like we we just we weren't gonna let it go i'm glad we didn't because at the end of it he was really happy that he did it no question man well well jarvis um obviously man metal today is more and more becoming underground again mm-hmm. which in my opinion and i'm curious yours I'm happy about that because what it does is it eliminates so many of the posers that are just looking for fame or money or whatever, and are not in it for the, for the music and for the, the, the community of metal, so to speak. So, you know, you're actually in the bit in, in the industry where I, I mean, obviously there's probably a part of you that's like that wishes that, Hey, anybody that shits out a record would sell 500,000 copies of it anymore. But where where do you stand as somebody that's both a participant and a fan, man? Are you glad that it's becoming more underground? Do you wish it would resurge or what? Yeah, you, you hit on a lot of key points there. It's it's a double-edged sword, you know? I Like, obviously, you want to get your music out to more people. You know, it's like, I'm not, I don't only play in this band. I play in a couple other legendary bands. Sure. I manage five bands. I have a record company. I have a merchandising business and a warehouse and employees like so selling product is 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 something that i that i actively do i make my living in metal right it's it's look i'll say this what and we run a festival i mean shit like like i'll say this we we have some amazing fans and some loyal fans and that's at the end of the day is is what's way more important than being the flavor of the week. It's crazy. I, I have friends that have been signed to major labels that have sold a quarter million records mm-hmm. that would draw two people to a gig now, you know, or there's a lot of one hit wonders from the nineties. I mean, big guys that have big radio hits, like they have, they have zero loyal fan base. I have a, I have some friends in a band that I won't, I won't mention their name, but they had two, they had two big hits in the 2000s era, one was very big, okay, very big. They're multi-platinum selling artists. And I look at their interaction on social media and it's like, it's, it, there's, there is, there's like the, no diehard fans. The ones that they have are just like psychos, you know? And like, they're not people that the band really wants to be around. And, and right. they end up, you know, they still make a living. They still, they still play shows but they're playing like USO stuff for the troops. They're playing 
these big throwback tours where they're like one of five on the bill sure. of these one hit wonders or county fairs where they're not they're even they're not even the headlining act right. um and look i mean that's great but it's like at the end of the day the material stuff comes and goes at the end of the day you want to be known for something your legacy wants has to be intact and i think even for a band like night demon at our level i mean we have we are we are many people's favorite band and to me sure. that to me that means everything that means everything you know i know bands that are more popular than us that are nobody's actual favorite band or i know some mid-level bands that have been around for 45 years that are classic bands but they're not one person's favorite fucking band you know <laughs> and and i just I, I, I always got to look at it that way. So whatever happens, if the music gets more popular, that's fine. Sometimes, you know, hey, look, you'll hear Night Demon on Sirius XM radio sandwiched between Trivium and Five Finger Death Punch. And the, the, right. the way that I see it is like, that's not the company we want to be in. But there's it's never too late for somebody to get into good music. And like... Okay. I had to be exposed to it. I grew up in suburban California and it wasn't until I got older and started going to underground shows that I realized what poser shit I was actually listening to. I mean, it, you know, it's all about how you find stuff. It's all about how you right. find stuff, you know, what, what you're exposed to. So I don't blame anybody that's on the wrong path. They need to, they need to be exposed to it. So we're doing sure. everything we can. Definitely. Do you, do you find any challenges for you, for you personally, not Night Demon as an entity, but for you personally, when you have to make decisions for Night Demon, as well as for the management company and the merch and everything? Do you, do you sometimes have to cater your decisions for Night Demon to what's profitable, what makes sense on the spreadsheet, what makes not sense? Really. Not really. Not really. I think like, the cool thing about the bands that I represent is like, we're all in the same scene, but we're all completely different from each other, right? Stylistically, it's weird. Yeah. Like we're all in the classic heavy metal scene, but we all have, we're all so unique from one another that one hand washes the other. Like if, if, if Nightingale has an opportunity that we're not able to do, I'm always, I can always get that for somebody else. And I, I feel like we have, I have the best crop of bands. I feel like every band that I represent is like the best at, at what we do. And like, I, I really feel good about the legacy of these bands. Like when it's all said and done, you know, at the end of my lifetime. And, and uh, I, I think that we're more of a fraternity than a, co a competitive uh, entity, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with, yeah, I think, I think we're, Night Demons, we're just above competition. We just don't need to compete. I mean, it's 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 not in our nature. I mean, we're we we're here to support the this scene, man. And, and like, we we're we've done a lot of work to to help other bands. We've done a lot of work just to inspire other people. You know, to to go down and kick these doors down for 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 other bands to know that it's it's possible to do this thing you know so uh we're here to we're here to inspire not to compete no question man well well jarvis there's a lot of people that are claiming i am not one of them i'm gonna assume you're not either but there's a lot of people claiming that the pandemic is winding down or over or whatnot <laughs> and uh, what what kind of plans can you make 
right now. Can you I say, mean, well, we're going to play in, I know you just announced a rescheduled tour. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you, can you say that and say, yeah, that's going to happen? Or, or is it really kind of, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've got stuff planned for the spring and all through the summer and through the end of the year. I think so. I think more than anything, touring has become a seasonal thing. Okay. Like this pandemic is not going anywhere. Like it's, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's part of our lives. You know, the COVID right. thing is just something we're going to have to deal with uh, for a long time, you know? Uh, but I see people going back to living their lives. I mean, look, you even had a, you even had a continent like Australia who had like a, basically a zero, a zero tolerance for it. Like if there was one case in the entire continent, they would lock down everything now right. they have a vaccination rate of over 90 percent and cases are have a record high but they're stick they're sticking with it and they're going hey we 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 locked it down longer than anybody we had a zero tolerance now we have we vaccinated over 90 percent of people if people are getting it okay this is our life this is how we have to live we right. can't we can't go any longer this way so i think that uh, from state to state, from country to country, there's different. Hey, look, even in San Francisco, I went to an underground show that had more COVID restrictions than the goddamn Chase Center for Metallica. So <laughs> from from place to place, you just got to that's it. You got to make decisions and you got to see what 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 happens. But in our position, we can't wait any longer. We're just we're going out there and, and we're going to see how it goes and we're going to hope for the best. But I mean, it's like. There's more vaccines, there's boosters, there's immunity there. You know, hey, viruses are mutating. If things are happening like, you know, hey, look, there's bands playing right now. There's bands touring. And mm -hmm. when that's happening, we're going to be one of them. And mm -hmm. if it kills me and I die from it, then OK, you know, but I that's just the way it goes. Like, this is what I do. Right. And I, I want to die doing what I love. And I've 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 done all the steps to protect myself the best way I can. And, you know, I hope our fans have too, but at the end of the day, it's their decision. And it's, it's if they want to decide to go out and, and risk life and limb, I mean, shit, I've been doing that my whole fucking life. So, uh, <laughs> right. you know, I have sympathy for people that, that got the raw end of this, you know, but, mm -hmm. but, it's like, it's not, it's not something that anybody did to anybody else. And I think right. the blame game just needs to stop. These lockdowns don't work. We've tried it. I, mm -hmm. I know people that never left their house that got deathly ill. So right it, here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There you Dude, go. I, I, mean, I was in the, I, I did eight days in the hospital. I right. went out one time, one right. time in a year right. and a half, I went out and I got COVID and got right. COVID to the point that I was hospitalized. Yeah, right. There you go. And so, yeah. and by the way, yeah, I'm glad you you made it out of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> but hey, look, I mean, there's a lot of things, and now there's a lot of other colds and flus that have been off the table for a couple of years. I mean, those could come back strong. It's just life, and we're we're all trying to figure it out the best way we can. But look, yeah. at this point, at this point, uh, me personally, and and the guys in my band. Uh, we are committed to doing what makes us happy and, and what makes our fans happy. And now, and honestly, that's the best medicine. And that's what, that's what keeps us alive, you know? So I'd rather do that than, 
then isolate myself for years with the fear of going out and end up dying from this thing anyway, you know? Like, right. It's just, it's the reality we're living in. Everybody has given away a lot of things. We've given away a lot of liberties and a lot of freedoms too, you know? And sure. and those once you give that stuff away to the government, don't expect to get them back without right. without a war, without fighting them for this. This is, this. we still have the TSA from 9-11. They've stopped zero terrorist attacks. Mm-hmm. All they've done is fuck with me. Every time I travel, you know, it's the truth. This is what happens. I know we want to be safe, but I've never seen so many people just trust the government blindly out of nowhere. And Mm -hmm. even look, I'm vaccinated, but I mean, I, 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 there's no, I, I'm not under the illusion that these drug companies have been sued for billions of dollars for lying to people for the last 20 years. Like, it's I've rolled the dice, but look, here I am. I've complied with what everybody wants me to do. And now it's still not good enough. So, Hey man, you know, like I, I <laughs> like in this fucking life, like it's, it's, it's here, it's here now and I'm living it now. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, but I, it's just crazy. I come from the metal and the punk scene that, that was always like, open your eyes to these things. And mm-hmm. I've never seen any, but any more uh, the punk scene especially it's just completely flip-flop to this do oh, yeah. like do what the man says and like, i want no part of it you know right so, uh, yeah i i just you it, you're not a conspiracy theorist for fucking questioning something you're not right. it's not, i'm not saying it's that everything is wrong but the, the major media has, it's their job to instill fear in us. And the government has done a great job of dividing us. So they don't have to fight us anymore. We're fighting each other. And right. instead, you know, look, I want to be wrong. I want to be somebody that, hey, give me, tell me how I'm wrong. Give me your opinion. I want to hear it. And I want you to prove me wrong. But when I ask a question about something, I'm not stupid for doing that. Okay. Right. Especially right. when I'm asking a question from, people that have an agenda mm-hmm. no, my absolutely. agenda is to rock so dude, I'm, I'm with you man i'm a thousand percent with you yeah. <laughs> well dude obviously man night demon has uh plenty going on you're gonna be on tour you've got year of the demon coming out in march so why don't you give the plugs where everybody should go to keep up with night demon and keep up with you and iron grip and sierra sure, yeah. and everything else yeah iron grip dot or, sorry, nightdemon.net. That's our central hub. You'll find everything on our website there. Links to the podcast. You can get the podcast anywhere. It's called the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. You can go to irongripheavymetal.com to check out all the merchandise that our bands have and tickets to the our festival, Frost and Fire. And lastly, yeah, Year of the Demon will be out March 25th. We'll have a new single, um, an exclusive for Decibel Magazine and their Flexi Series in June. And a brand new studio record on November 4th. So we've got a ton of stuff this year. We've got a U.S. tour in the fall. We're doing summer festivals in Europe. And we've got a tour in Europe the month of May with Midnight. And we're doing, we've got some stuff planned for spring for the U.S. that we're going to announce very soon. So it is the year of the demon. And you're either there or you're fucking nowhere. <laughs> very good, man. Well, one more time. Night Demon, the year of the demon. Comes out March 25th. And uh, Jarvis, it's always fun to catch up, my friend. Absolutely, Chris. Thanks, man. Good to have you back behind the mic. Hell yeah.
When it's time to rock, it's time to tune in to Crash Course Radio. Featuring the very best of the heavier music, from Slayer to Clutch to Fear Factory, it's all in one place, Crash Course Radio. To tune in to Crash Course Radio, simply visit www.cmsradio.net. You can also tune in on the CMS Network app by opening the app, clicking the musical notes at the top right corner, and selecting Crash Course Radio from our stations. All the best heavy music is there, so you should be too. Ditch the commercial radio and make Crash Course Radio your everyday station.